cash flow pays the bills, appreciation makes you wealthy, right? And if you look at what a lot of successful people do is they will invest for appreciation. And then at some point in time, they turn that appreciation, that equity, that net worth into cash flow. Welcome to another episode of the Financially Free Investor, where you will learn information and strategies on how to become financially independent by investing in real estate, something that is not taught openly in our society today. Financial freedom matters so you can live a bigger life, retire early, and do what matters most to you. Get ready to hear tried and true methods to becoming financially free with your host, Jordy Clark. Hey everyone, welcome into another episode of the Financially Free Investor Podcast. So, well, for the last week or so, I've been trying to figure out what to do for the next podcast episode. I want it to be timely. I want it to be informative. I want it to help you as you progress in your journey to financial freedom, to life freedom, to health freedom, to just living a better life, right? And this is what I want to talk about today. You know, the word millionaire gets thrown around a lot. And I used to think, man, if I could only get to being a millionaire, I would have made it. And then when I reached it, I was like, man, I got to get to being a multimillionaire and then I'll reach it. And, you know, it's interesting as we're in 2023, I'm recording this April 13th. Um, you know, the federal government is just printing money. Congress is out of control. They're just spending money we don't have sending it overseas and you know like it's just this is a crazy world we're living in inflation's super high and life still keeps moving on i think a lot of the times we get caught up in in our own head and our own talk and our just whatever's going on in our life and we filter things through that lens of what is going on in my life and what does it mean? You know, and, and a lot of times I think we push that assumption onto other people and their decisions financially and whatnot. And I say all of this because if you're listening to this and, you know, you're not a millionaire and you go, oh, well, Jordy must be nice to say, you know, a million bucks isn't, isn't much or, you know, that's not the goal or whatever. And I get it. But at the end of the day, here's what really matters. It's not about being a millionaire. It's not about being a multimillionaire. It's not about being a decamillionaire. Net worth, which is if you add up everything you own, subtract out what you owe, that's your net worth, right? And that's how you get to a million dollars. So let's say you own $2 million worth of things and you owe $1 million to the banks. Well, your net worth is $1 million. And, you know, this whole conversation that I'm having with you now started because I went to lunch with a friend a couple days ago and, and we were talking about this and we both said the same thing. We we're like, look, net worth doesn't mean anything. Like when you don't have it, you think it means a lot. But when you do have it, you're like, yeah, that means a lot less than I thought. And net worth is great. But you know what's even better than net worth is passive income. Money that comes in every single month and you don't have to go punch a time clock for it. Money that comes in, if you get sick or you get cancer or something happens and you choose not to work for a month, would you be okay? 
And that's the question I'm posing to you today. And I think I'm going to title this podcast, Why Being a Multimillionaire Doesn't Matter. Because it really doesn't. The net worth means nothing if there's no passive income correlated to it. Because the reality is, money is like a current. It's currency. It's, it's like a current of a river. And you know, this year in Utah, if you live in Utah, you know this. If you don't, but Utah got so much snow this winter. Like A, it felt like the winter went forever. And B, we actually hit historical, like never seen before, snowpacks. And it just seems like it has been storm after storm after storm. And even as I sit here, April 13th, I look outside and it's snowing, right? Granted, it's not sticking. It's not like crazy snowing. There are little flurries here and there, but it's, it's snowing. It's cold. And yesterday it was like 80 degrees. And today it's like 37. But we have a ton of snowpack. And, you know, as I was, up feeding the baby in the middle of the night last night at 3 a.m. I, of course, uh, in an effort to not fall asleep uh, while I'm feeding the baby, I, I did what any half-awake person would do. I pulled out my phone and I started reading news articles because I didn't want to work, didn't want to get my brain going at 3 a.m. because that meant I would have not gone back to bed, um, which I probably shouldn't have. I probably should have just gone to the gym at 4 and, and worked out because I did go back to bed and I just feel like a train hit me. Anyways, the snowpack this year has been phenomenal. But as a result of that, as I was reading at 3.30 this morning, that we've got flooding going on in a lot of areas in along the Wasatch Front because the water's got to go somewhere. The snow melts and the water goes somewhere. You know, they, they're putting sandbags uh, in, in roads to divert water and send it to where it needs to go versus wherever it ends up going. I was thinking about this last night. I'm a part of a church organization. And as a part of that, they asked me to help guide the 14 to 16 year old young men. So once a week we do activities. And then once a week we have a Sunday school class with them. And we filled sandbags yesterday uh, because, you know, of everything I've explained to you. And while there wasn't an immediate need, they're sandbags. We did about 110 sandbags in 45 minutes with a couple of these uh, young men. And at any rate, I, I hope they get used. They probably will. But just being prepared helps you when life throws storms at you. And, you know, instead of having stuff flood, you could not have it flood. And the, the real reason I set all of this up is so that I could drive this point right here home. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how much real estate you own. It doesn't matter what your net worth is. It doesn't matter what your personal balance sheet, what your personal financial statement says, because that that's all well and good, uh, but that could absolutely be fake money, paper money, money that you know shows up like, hey, this house is worth $500,000 and I owe $250,000 on it. Well, that's great, but what is that doing for you on a monthly reoccurring basis, right? Because that cash flow can carry you through rough times, tough times, turbulent times. That cash flow, again, I'm just thinking about real estate, right? But you could put this on stocks, you could put it on whatever. The, the principle is, doesn't matter what something is worth, it matters what that thing is doing for you, okay? So I would rather, this is just me speaking today, and this answer has changed. I would rather own assets that produce income for me net every single month versus have $10 million in the bank doing nothing for me.
or $10 million in real estate, but it doesn't cash flow. And there's two sides to the investing in real estate coin, right? You've got appreciation and you've got cash flow. And usually you have to pick one. It's one or the other. Well, I'll say this cash flow pays the bills, appreciation makes you wealthy, right? And if you look at what a lot of successful people do, is they will invest for appreciation. And then at some point in time, they turn that appreciation, that equity, that net worth into cash flow. And that may be two totally different assets, but you want to take it and turn it into cash flow because that will cover unforeseen circumstances. That will cover if you choose to not work for a month or can't work for a month. And I think everyone should have some sort of residual income coming in every single month. And you know, you may have to start out with just figuring out how can I get $1 to come in every single month without me worrying about it, right? How many dividend producing stocks do I have to buy, right? And, and you can look up, there's a whole host of companies that they produce dividends. Every single quarter, if you own one share of Verizon Wireless or Ford Motor Company or insert blank, whatever company gives a dividend, there's tons of them out there. If you own one share and they pay a dividend once a quarter, man, that income is nice. And compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And those who understand it, earn it. And those who don't, pay it. And rewind that again if you didn't get it. But you want to figure out how to residually earn income every month and not have to go trade your time for that income. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. But I'm realizing as we're as our economy has shifted, as we are going into different times than we have for the last five years, home values have come down a little bit in Salt Lake, which means, you know, might be a great time to buy, might be a great time to sell. That's always relative. But the thing that is constant in my mind, and it's always been this way, it's just more so this way because of uncertainty and you don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? Is making sure that you are building residual income of some sort that pays you no matter what, right? So I, we have a seven-year-old daughter and we're actually teaching her this. We're teaching her, you know, hey, if you want a fanny pack, you have to go out and earn money that you trade for that fanny pack. And she says, well, how do I earn money, right? And we walk her through it. Well, you know, we, we paid her a dollar per book and gave her six, you know, like Dave Ramsey kids books to read. And I said, I want you to read this book. And then on one piece of paper, give me like a little breakdown of what you learned and then draw me a picture because she loves drawing. She's super artistic, right? But I paid her a dollar a book for each of those book reports that she got, but she had to read a book and then do the book report. And then she went and, you know, asked her uncle to, Hey, can I work for you? Can I do something to earn money? And he said, yes. And she figured out I can trade time for money. And so then with that money, we're showing her, Hey, None of this money is yours to begin with or end with. It's all God's. So we need to make sure 10% of it gets set aside to give back, to, to tithe. And then we need to make sure 20% of it you're saving and you save so that you can invest. Because I think a big problem with our society is people save to spend. No, you need to save to invest. And then the rest of the 70% of the money I'm showing her, she can spend it. She gets to live on it. She gets to do whatever. She wants a fanny pack, she can buy a fanny pack. And a lot of the times, like we need to get back to the basics and budget. 
and I'll, I'll do a different episode on budgeting because I think that's super important too. But the, the thing I wanted to get back is cash flow is sometimes more important than equity. I'm going to say that again differently. You don't have to be a millionaire or a multimillionaire. You need passive income. In fact, I would encourage you forget about net worth, forget about being a millionaire and figure out how you can make passive income that shows up on the first of the month, on the 15th of the month, on the 30th of the month, whatever it is, without you having to go out and trade your time for those dollars. Because that's what the rich do. They don't care about net worth. They care about residual passive income. So with that said, I'm going to wrap it up and just tell you to go out and get you some. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Financially Free Investor. If you found value in this episode or know someone who would find value in this information, please share with them, subscribe, and send us a review.